listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I'm Jessica O'Reilly, your friendly neighborhood sexologist. And today we are talking about sexual fantasies. If you've ever been just a little bit curious about what your neighbors, your friends, your colleagues fantasize about in their deepest, maybe darkest moments, Dr. Justin Laymiller is here to share some fascinating research from his brand new book, Tell Me What You Want. Welcome. Hey, Jess. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Before we delve into America's fabulously dirty minds, I'd like to say, <laughs> I've got to say a big thank you to Desire Resorts for their support of this episode. Check out their clothing optional couples resorts and cruises at Desire Resorts. And join me and Brandon will be coming along too, folks, at Desire Riviera Maya and Desire Pearl this October. We'll put the details on my event page shortly. Now, Justin, tell me what you want is a glimpse, maybe more of a peek into the largest and most comprehensive survey of American sexual fantasies to date. So how did you get more than 4,000 people to tell you what they think about sexually? <laughs> so uh, it's a great question. And it turns out that people really do want to talk about their sexual fantasies. They're just often afraid to do it with their partners. Um, however, there's something about uh, strangers on the internet that kind of opens people up to talking about things that they might not otherwise uh, talk about in their everyday life. So I spent about two years um, conducting this large online survey of Americans from all 50 states um, that is very diverse. The, the participants range in age from 18 to 87. They span all um, uh, gender identities, sexual orientations, uh, occupations, political backgrounds, and so forth. So it's this very diverse group of people who um, all told me about their biggest sexual fantasy of all time, uh, and then also the other types of things they're fantasizing about. Um, and they completed this broader survey that also asked questions about their personality, their sexual history, their demographic background. And so it's just this massive uh, data set that allows me to shed light on what Americans from all walks of life are fantasizing about. And I think the only reason I was able to get this kind of data is because I was collecting it anonymously where people could feel freer to, to share those um, deep and sometimes dark uh, sexual fantasies that they have. Right. So this data set is so different than, say, what Kinsey and his team were doing 60 or so years ago because they were face to face. <laughs> right. And you can imagine how when you're interviewing someone face to face, um, there are certain pressures where you might want to come across in a more socially desirable way. So you might not want to admit to, say, some of your deeper or darker uh, sex fantasies. So this is a way of trying to get around some of those social desirability concerns. That's really great. Now, if you have all this demographic info, have you broken it down? So, for example, does political persuasion influence the type of fantasies people have? <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, there's, there's a whole chapter in the book that looks at how your demographic background, your personality, 
uh, your sexual history are all reflected in your sexual fantasies. And I find that to be super fascinating and an area where there just wasn't much research before. Um, but with, re with respect to the political stuff, um, I do find that there are big differences between Democrats and Republicans, uh, with Republicans focusing a lot more on uh, fantasies that tend to be considered taboo or immoral. So things like infidelity and uh, orgies and group sex. Um, uh, so, so that was one of the big differences. And I think that it stems from uh, the fact that um, uh, there's some level of what psychologists call reactance that's going on here, where when you're told you can't do something, you come to want to do that even more. Uh, so I think that helps to explain part of the reason why we see Republicans uh, fantasizing more about those taboo acts. And it's consistent with broader research that I've seen showing, for example, that um, porn searches for um, uh, uh, a range of content are higher in so-called red states than they are in blue states. So I think that it's all about this, this kind of reactance that we have going on. Okay, so if suppression breeds desire among Republicans for these <laughs> for these more taboo acts, what what are our Democratic friends? I, this is me as a Canadian asking from above. What are our, what are our Democratic friends fantasizing about? Uh, so um, a couple of the areas that Democrats were more likely to fantasize about included BDSM. Um, yes. So so Democrats were more into various aspects of. Um, bondage, discipline, um, sadism, masochism, and so forth. Um, and in addition to that, Democrats were also more likely to fantasize about uh, emotional fulfillment. Um, so, so meeting certain psychological needs in their fantasies, such as uh, getting um, a, a greater level of intimacy with their partner. Um, so it seems that you know the Republicans were focused more on the, the sort of specific taboo acts, uh, whereas Democrats were a little more focused on meeting and fulfilling these psychological needs. Okay, that, that's interesting. So what we need next is for you to come to Canada, <laughs> look at our three primary party system and see the difference <laughs> between we have the Liberals, the Conservatives and the NDP. I mean, of course, mm -hmm. we have other parties, but so that that's the next step. Promise? <laughs> sure. Yeah, the next book can be Canadian sex fantasies. There you go. <laughs> okay, so in terms of what people are fantasizing about, what are the top fantasies, the most common fantasies you came across in your research? So um, what I found in looking at all of these fantasies that people were telling me about was that there were seven major themes that characterized uh, sexual desire. And three of them were things that almost everyone was fantasizing about. These are the, the ones that I would say are the most common sexual fantasies. So uh, first, that would be having group sex and mm -hmm. specifically having threesomes. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> threesomes were the single biggest uh, fantasy that people mentioned having. Um, but a lot of people were also fantasizing about, say, orgies or, or gang bangs or other things like that. Um, Following that was BDSM. Uh, you know, it, it was rare for people to never have had a BDSM fantasy. Um, and, and certainly, you know, different aspects of BDSM were appealing to different people. You know, for some people, it was more about uh, light spanking, and for other people, it was more about, uh, you know, something a little bit more hardcore than that. Um, and then the other uh, major fantasy that, that almost everyone had was just... Uh, 
fantasy is about novelty. So doing something new or different that they've never done before. So that could be a new sexual position. It could be um, having sex in a new location or setting. Um, so, so just sort of trying something different uh, that, that's outside of their se sexual routine. This, this makes sense to me based on what I'm hearing. Like threesomes are off the chart. Everywhere I go, people want to know about threesomes. Uh, they joke about wanting to have them. And of course, there's some truth in that humor for many people. To what extent is this a reflection of porn? Because, you know, threesomes in porn is like pancakes for breakfast. <laughs> right. So, yeah, so that's another great question is um, to what extent are our fantasies a reflection of what we're watching and consuming in porn and to what extent does porn just reflect what it is that we want and fantasize about um, and, and I find that it, it kind of goes both ways so uh, there were a certain number of my participants, I want to, I don't remember the exact number off my head, but it was around one in 10 uh, who said that their biggest fantasy of all time stemmed directly from something they saw in porn. So, uh, hmm. you know, people might see something in porn and that could then become their preferred sexual fantasy. Um, but more often than not, I found people reporting that they were going out looking for porn that reflected their sexual fantasies. So most people were saying that's, you know, what they're looking for in porn is, is you know, something that embodies their fantasy, it allows them to, to live it out uh, vicariously through the, through the actors uh, in the video. So, you know, porn influences the fantasy, but more often than not, it just reflects what we desire. That's interesting, because we see such a wide array of porn. So if these are the most common sexual fantasies, what are some edgier fantasies? I, I don't know if I want to say unusual, but I like the idea of sharing edgy sexual fantasies that our listeners can use, not necessarily to do, but as inspiration, because I think a lot of our listeners are really sexually open and very well-versed in the topic of sexuality. So they don't want the 101, they want the like. 901. Uh, so what are some edgy, yeah, edgy fantasies they can use as fodder for conversation, if nothing else? Um, hmm. Well, I mean, it's hard for me to say what's edgy anymore after reading like 4,000 <laughs> fantasies. You're ruined. Uh, I know, because nothing surprises me anymore. So in the um, novelty section, you know, people who are fantasizing about trying something new or different that they've never done before, um, experimenting with food and with technology were, were big themes that emerged there. Um, and I actually asked my participants, you know, what are some specific foods that you've incorporated into your sex life? And, you know, of course, you get the, the very typical things like uh, strawberries and whipped cream and uh, chocolate and ice cubes. You know, those were kind of the most common things. Um, but people reported this whole range of foods that I never would have uh, expected or imagined, including um, corn on the cob and um, salad dressing. Like, um, people were adventurous in, in the, the kinds of foods that they incorporated uh, into their their, their sex lives. Um, also, you know, when it comes to technology, um, people are incorporating that in their sex lives and in their fantasies increasingly, whether it's, uh, you know, something involving their computer, watching pornography, or um, in a couple that say interacting with uh, someone else on the other end in some form of cyber sex. Um, so, so there are lots of ways that people are incorporating food and tech and, and all of these other things into their sex lives to kind of give it this extra novelty boost. Well, I'm a big fan of cam models and what cam models can do, not only for novelty, but for the real reality of sex. But I have to take us back to corn 
What are they doing? <laughs> I want to know what they're doing with the corn. Because I know that if Brandon were here, all he'd say is cornhole, cornhole. What are they doing with the corn? Uh, that I, um, I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, you know, I just asked them what foods they were using. And I was, um, I was surprised. And, and some of them were uh, actually imaginary foods, you know, foods that don't exist in the real world. I had one participant talk about how their fantasy involved uh, gum from the Willy Wonka movie. Uh, and, you know, so it's, it's sort of anything that can kind of add that novelty component, whether it's, you know, real or fictional, um, uh, might uh, be something that people find to be arousing. And it, it, it's, it fascinates me how flexible we are when it comes to beating our sexual needs and desires. Uh, that People are just, they're very inventive and some are much more imaginative than others. I, yeah, well, if you know they're fantasizing about Willy Wonka gum, I'm I'm pretty boring in comparison to that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. And, and and what about BDSM? What were some of the hotter or edgier BDSM fantasies, like beyond spanking and being tied up? Mm -hmm. um, so there was a lot of. Uh, forced sex fantasies that emerged in my survey where people were uh, imagining a partner who was taking them against their will. Um, a, a lot of participants describe this as a rape fantasy, but I, I don't like that term because it, it, it's taking place within a fantasy where a person desires what is happening. So it's not rape or sexual assault because there's there's consent there uh, for the parties involved. But um, a lot of participants talked about this desire to someone to be taken or ravaged or um, ravished by a, another person. Um, and this was true for both men and women, but more so for women. And I would say that that's definitely one of the edgier fantasies because um, it, it kind of teeters on this brink of consent that we're all so concerned about. Um, and, and I think that it's that taboo element of it that makes it appealing to a lot of people. Yeah, the taboo element and then also the safety required with a partner in order to enact something that is consensually non-consensual. Right. And, you know, I had some participants who went um, out of their way to say, you know, uh, I, I want to do this with a partner, but who knows my boundaries and limits, right? So um, there are lots of people who have those safety concerns with it. And so for them, it might just be a fantasy and something that they never want to turn into reality. Because once you try to turn your fantasy into reality, you lose some control of it when you start bringing other people into it. Um, so I, I think that's an important point is that just because you fantasize about something doesn't mean you have to act on it at some point. Yeah, absolutely. And it can be hotter in your mind than it is in reality. When, when people come to me talking about threesomes, I remind them that that's an average of 30 toes in a small bed. And <laughs> like, you can barely spoon and know where to put your extra arm, let alone bring a third person in. So it's, sometimes it's just fun to think about. Right. And with, with threesomes in particular. So I asked people, what were your experiences like acting out your fantasies? And I found that threesomes were the fantasy that were least likely to turn out well. Um, mm. and, and I think it's because people, most people just don't have a script for how a threesome should go. You know, they've, mm. they've never been in one before, so they don't know who's supposed to do what and with whom. And, um, so I, I think that there's a lot of uncertainty there and that can lead to these situations where maybe it just ends up becoming a little awkward because no one knows what to do. 
Yeah, exactly. Where do I put this finger? Yes. <laughs> and if you're doing it with a partner too, you know, there's the question of you know, what am I allowed to do? And did we discuss this enough beforehand? Um, I think that's another big issue is that uh, couples will often bring a third person in, but maybe they didn't think about and talk about what what is and is not permitted. And so then somebody does something and then their partner isn't happy about it. And then that can yeah, really ruin the moment or, or lead to a big fight afterwards. Yeah. And I think some of that's derived from the fact that oftentimes, and not all the time, but oftentimes in couples, one partner is more keen to live out this fantasy than the other. And that's not a, a wonderful basis from which to move. Right. And yeah, also with the threesome, how do you pick the third person? And is are both partners equally into it? And then is that person equally into both of you? Or uh, So yeah, that's that's can be tough. Yes. Um, so I, I like that you brought up uh, consensual non-consent or what we often refer to as rape fantasies, because I want to talk briefly before I let you go about where sexual fantasies come from. And one person wrote, to me, so I have three different scenarios. This person says, I know it's cliche, but I fantasize about being raped. And even though my therapist says it's fine and it doesn't mean I want to be raped for real, I still feel a bit twisted about it. Why is it such a turn on? Mm -hmm. So I'm curious um, if we can look at a few different scenarios and you can tell us where these fantasies come from. Like where does the consensual non-consent fantasy come from based on your research? Mm -hmm. So uh, I look at uh, the forced sex fantasies as being uh, part of the broader umbrella of BDSM. And I would say that it's kind of the same uh, psychological motivations that would underlie a forced sex fantasy that would underlie a BDSM fantasy more broadly. And one of the big ones is just sort of this um, escape from from self-awareness that occurs when people act on a submissive or masochistic fantasy because uh, they become a sex object rather than a person and that can allow them this this escape or distance from uh, whatever else might be going on in their head those anxieties and insecurities and other things that might come in and prevent them from enjoying the experience so I think that escape from self-awareness is a big part of the appeal of uh, BDSM fantasies in particular. Okay, great. That, that makes sense to me. And I can personally relate to that with the relinquishment of control and mm -hmm. not, not having to perform. I have another one that is, is also BDSM related, more on the emotional side. He says, I'm really into sexual punishment and degradation. My girlfriend isn't on board and says it's because that the reason I think this way is because my parents were too easy on me growing up. <laughs> um, what's the real reason I like to be punished and a little humiliated in bed? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that, that also kind of falls under the BDSM umbrella. And so it could be this, this kind of escape from self-awareness. Um, there's also, you know, a lot of people who, who interpret those Freudian explanations mm -hmm. for these fantasies and tie it back to something in their childhood or their parenting relationship. But I, I don't know exactly how much I buy that. And I didn't find a ton of support for that in right. my research. Um, it might also just be a reflection of um, his, his personality uh, and, um, uh, just sort of, you know, what are his unique psychological needs uh, that he has at that moment? So, um, you know, it might not have anything to do with parental relationships whatsoever. Yeah, we do like to pull things back and blame our parents, but I think <laughs> that we should just leave our parents out of the bedroom. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it provides a convenient and easy explanation, but whether it's the right one is, is debatable. Okay, and then lastly, this person says, and maybe they're a Democrat, I feel like my fantasies are boring when I talk to my girlfriends. I just want romance and tenderness, and I want my boyfriend to tell me how much he loves me. That's the biggest turn on. They say I'm too vanilla, in quotes. What do you think? Uh, I don't think that there's anything wrong with vanilla fantasies or vanilla sex. You know, vanilla is is a great flavor and it can be really hot. So, um, you know, so I wouldn't worry about comparing your fantasies to other people's and thinking that there's something wrong with you if yours aren't as adventuresome as someone else's because we're all different and our fantasies are a reflection of who we are. So people who have more adventurous fantasies are often... Um, people who have sensation-seeking personalities and they just have this heightened need for novelty and excitement. And um, not everybody is a sensation seeker. So if you don't need the same sorts of thrills that other people do, that's fine. And if you're focused more on, um, you know, the passion and romance and intimacy, um, that, that's great too. And that might uh, speak to more about kind of uh, how you feel about your relationship and, and your partner. Um, and so it might have more to do with just kind of your feelings and your needs for security and intimacy in a relationship than anything else. And that's just as important as, as the sex, of course. So you have right. to think the measure of your sex life is your own sexual satisfaction. It really doesn't matter what I think or what, what Justin thinks. It's not a quiz in Cosmo that deems you wild or prude that that determines how hot your sex life is. You can have hot, hot sex that is romantic and you can have hot sex that is about degradation. Right. And I think we all get hung up on, you know, what is a normal sexual fantasy? Well, I think the question you should be asking is, is more, what is normal for you? And that, that's really where we should be is, what are my needs? What, what turns me on? And, and how do I focus on fulfilling and meeting those needs and desires rather than worrying about everybody else's desires and comparing yourself to them. Yes, that's, that's very well put. Now, before I let you go, for people who want to bring their fantasies to life, where do they even begin? How do they do this? Great question. And I have a big section in the book devoted to this, but a few brief things would be First, to start by just building your general sexual communication skills and to do this early and often in your relationship, because the longer you go without talking about sex, the more awkward it becomes later on. So start by establishing a norm of sexual communication. And then when it comes to talking about your fantasies, pick your setting and your timing carefully. Um, try to do it at a time when both you and your partner are aroused and more likely to be in the mood. Um, because there's a lot of research showing that when we're sexually aroused, are discussed response lessons. And so mm -hmm. it's likely that your partner will be more responsive to, um, you know, different sexual fantasies if you catch them at a time when they're in the mood. So maybe um, pick an icebreaker that's going to get you both feeling sexy so that you could talk about and start sharing your fantasies. And that could be watching, a, you know, a steamy movie together or watching pornography together or, or, or something along those lines. Um, and then also one other quick thing would be when it comes to sharing your fantasies, you know, maybe ease into it. Don't start with your most adventuresome 
fantasy first, but um, maybe start with something that's that's a little lighter because most of us have multiple sex fantasies. So just, you know, pick something that's kind of a little bit, um, you know, on the less adventuresome side to begin with, and then you can work your way up from there. You don't need to share all of your fantasies all at once. Yes, and that's not just about easing your partner into it, but it's for your own practice too, because it can be challenging for me to discuss my perhaps edgiest fantasies. And then maybe if I'm nervous, I don't communicate in a way that makes my partner as comfortable as they could be. So it's, it's, for both, it's to both of your best interests to kind of break it into little pieces. Absolutely. And especially if you're thinking about acting on those sex fantasies, you know, it's it's good to start with one that maybe doesn't necessarily involve bringing other people into it first so that you just have more time to build up trust and comfort with your partner. And then you can kind of figure out where your boundaries are and, and go from there. Great. Thank you so much. This is I've had Dr. Justin Miller, author of Tell Me What You Want today sharing America's deepest and darkest sexual fantasies. Where can people find your new book, Tell Me What You Want? Uh, it is available from um, Takapo Press. It's published on July 10th in the U.S. And um, it will also be available in Canada and the U.K. Uh, shortly after that. And people can get it from Amazon or their favorite book retailer. All right. Well, I look forward to the Canadian version. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Pleasure. Folks, thanks so much for tuning in. A big thank you again to at Desire Resorts. Check out my dates down there in October. I'll be hosting some very fun sensual workshops. Uh, and if you can't make it when I'm going, certainly they're open 365 a year and they have multiple resorts on the Mayan Riviera as well as some wonderful European cruises coming up. That is at Desire Resorts. I am at Sex with Dr. Jess. Follow along. Instagram, you know I'm assaulting your Instagram timeline every single day. Some people even complain about my posts. Hey, follow. All right, thanks so much, folks. Have a wonderful day or week wherever you are. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life. Improve your life.